Welcome to episode 52 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level play from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. I'm joined by Scott Harrington and producer Dan Humphrey. Jason Lewandowski has the night off tonight. With On Air, we are bringing you fresh content and adding voices, names, and faces to interesting people making the Ohio hockey community better. Well, our last episode two weeks ago, <laughs> I was not in attendance, but I did make my call in, and I'll tell you guys a funny story about that in a minute. Uh, you guys had the pleasure of speaking with retired Air Force Brigadier General Greg Gutterman, who is the head coach at Beaver Creek High School. In addition to telling us about his background, which included playing at the Air Force Academy and how he got into coaching after being assigned to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, we talked about the pod tournament. The pod discussion is uh, something that we're, we're going to talk about here in a minute, but you know, I got to listen back to the, that podcast, if you will, and uh, <clears throat> I think the guy's onto something, Scott. I mean, yeah. I, I really like the idea. I think it's a great – now, listen, you guys had the pleasure of talking to him on air and, and uh, maybe a little bit off, so – what what was your feel from that? Uh, I think, like you said, I think they're onto something. And um, you know, I talked with a number of coaches, uh, mostly blue division, what we would call blue division, some white division coaches from around the state, and basically asked two questions: um, Would you like to see this replicated in your part of the state? And then, would you consider opting out of the OHSAA tournament district tournament and competing in one of these instead of. So there's a story up on Ohio hockey digest right now. Um, basically there's a lot of support for it. Um, a lot of the coaches stopped short of saying they would opt out of the district tournament, but, uh, there were some that said they would consider it. Um, but yeah, it's just a great way. Uh, it's, it's too bad. They had to take matters into their own hands, but they've come out with a, a, good way of of those teams at that level finishing their season on a positive note with some competitive games win lose or draw they're playing against teams that are at a similar level to them and playing competitive games and having fun that's how you're supposed to finish your season right so so there is a lot of interest i don't say a lot but there is interest in in making this happen and maybe that's going to spark the state of ohio from saying all right well we can't have these teams defect from our tournament Right. You know, let's, you know, how are we going to do this? Right. So, um, I don't know. It was, it was a good episode to hear, to hear, uh, from somebody who wasn't in on the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, you know, everyone, one of our listeners know, I mean, this is what I do, you know, every day it's high school hockey. So, uh, it was, it was good. Uh, anything else you want to talk about, uh, about coach Gutterman that, that he talked about? Um, uh, well, just, I'll say that, um, we're going to get back to the, the, the two division or three division conversation, both on the website and the podcast in the next couple of weeks. So it's kind of leading into a, uh, another uh, round of discussions on this for us, but um, just a great, it was great talking to him. He's great attitude. Um, you know, brings that air force mentality and discipline to his, to his team. I think he said he had 11 skaters uh, last year. So they had a good year. They won. They uh, won their division or their league. I'm sorry, the the Swashel in the regular season and, and the postseason uh, league tournament, and had a competitive game uh, in the districts. So good to see uh, them getting some good results down there. And he also had. I don't know if you heard what he said about picking his place in the bracket for the district tournament. They they purposefully take on a team that's maybe a little higher than they have to with the thought that if they win, they might get a win more winnable game in the second round. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So, so let me just, just to make sure that I'm clear and everyone else is clear. They do play in the tournament. They don't opt out of the tournament, right? Pods stands for post Ohio district. So they, they go and they play their one game in the tournament the district tournament, hopefully for them, it's that. And he said, that's basically one of their goals is to win a game in the district tournament. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of teams that are at that same level that are thinking, you know, there's probably 30, 40 teams that are thinking, yeah, we can just win one game. 
but but let me and, and I guess I would like to propose this and, and coach if you're listening to this this week's podcast, you know, be, be, feel free to reach out and 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 answer to. But wouldn't it make more of a, um, a statement if you didn't go in the tournament and then get beaten and say, okay, we'll do the post? If you just said, hey, we're going to get 30 teams to say we're not doing this anymore. Right. And that's, that's that's kind of the narrative I was pushing. And he said, well, we wouldn't do that. But they're at a level, you know, in the middle of the state where they could actually win a game at the district tournament. Um. And the, the coaches that, again, the story that's on the website this week, I talked to, I think, half a dozen coaches. So it's a small sample. Um, most of them said they would still want to try to take a shot at winning a game in the district tournament. But, again, they were not way at the bottom. They were not right, you know, right. blue, in the bottom third, if you will. So uh, I think those are the teams that, I don't know, I, the way I see it is why why would you bother going to play one of those games? Why would why just well, I, I mean, I understand, and I I can understand that the fact that we want to try to win a, a game in the districts, you know, like I get yeah. that. But but if you're going to push for this second division or second and third division, and you have this pod tournament, if you want to make a statement, I thirty teams statement. thirty teams don't go to the the Ohio State tournament, and they say forget you, the state of Ohio. Yeah, we've been talking to you about this for years. We're going to do our own thing now someone would have some explaining to do if exactly opted out. And there's, exactly. I think I, and you would know better than me. I think there's probably some uh, politics where, you know, the athletic director is not going to want you to do that. Maybe. I don't know. It's probably I, different I don't know. At, at different schools it's probably different, but one of, one of the coaches that responded mentioned that he said, my, my athletic director would not, would not want me to opt out. Right. But I mean, could you, could um, you imagine if let's say there was 30 teams that, that opted out, I mean, let's just say there was that's 30 games possibly. I mean, let's say 25 because some of those teams may play each other, but let's say 25 games that the state of Ohio does not get revenue for. Right. And it would probably start, you know, if you, we kind of think of it as trying to fix it from the top. If you start doing that from the bottom, then you'll have teams like in the 50, 40, 50 range that's, hey, let's go win this. We could win yeah. this one. Let's go play in this other one. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very interesting. And the other point that he brought up was he sees it as a safety issue. And, you know, you get uh, a red division team with 20 players, and he said he had 11 skaters. Some of them are – some of the teams in that league are made up almost entirely of kids that are just learning how to skate, <laughs> you know, right. or haven't played hockey at a high level before. Uh, and they get on the ice with, you know – a a big, fast, strong team, he sees it as a safety issue. That might be another angle that they can, that they could exploit. I don't know. Right. Right. Well, it was a great listen. I appreciate you guys doing that. Uh, how, do we, how was it listening to an episode that you weren't, uh, although I guess you were on it briefly. Well, yeah. And that was, you know, I, I tried to call in. I had a couple of the guys that listen to our podcast all the time. <laughs> they wanted to be on it. Uh, the one guy, and and the one guy, and you'll know when I say, hello, love. Uh, he, uh, I said, hey, did you listen to the last week's podcast? He's like, oh, no, I'm not going to listen to last week's podcast. And I'm like, oh, it, it was kind of funny, this and that, yada, yada. So uh, the trip was great. It was beautiful weather. It was good to get out of Cleveland for a while. And, and um, you know, but it's exciting. I was excited to come back home. And, and um, my oldest daughter turned 16. So she's driving now. She actually just took the car tonight. So if I sound a little nervous, nervous on the frickin on the uh, podcast, understand why, like, like she had to go to target tonight on a Monday at six o'clock. Okay. No, I don't think so, but, um, well this week we're going to kind of shift gears, get out of high school, go into the pro ranks, uh, and most, uh, mostly the Ontario hockey league. Uh, we're going to talk to Andrew Parrott. He's the son of a pro hockey player, a former Cleveland Baron and a current member of the Owen sound attack in the Ontario hockey league who just saw his 19-year-old season wiped out by COVID-19 pandemic. So we're going to have a lot to talk to him about. Uh, he's a Cleveland kid, uh, so it'll be really interesting to hear his aspect on uh, how he grew here in Cleveland and what his decision was and why he made a decision to move up onto different levels and in different areas of, of uh, the country to play and, and out of the country as well. And, and how does he get back a season in the OHL, which was an important season for him? So that's I, I look forward to this talk. Uh, but before we do that, What's new with the boys? I, I, you know, I 
It's beautiful outside. I saw some, I don't know if it was the Insta face or the Snapgram or whatever it was, Danny, but it was, uh, you were out there gardening and you, you look like, uh, uh, you had your little big hat on. It looked good, man. Thank you. I mean, gardens in, um, and, uh, we, we went to no free ads, went to Mark's yesterday and I saw the sun hats for two ninety nine. Nice. And after listening to, uh, you know, all your sunburn stories from when oh, you were down in Florida, it was, I'll tell you that in a minute. It was, I was like, brutal. I, it's, I don't care. You know, Denise makes fun of me and told me I look like Gilligan from Gilligan's Island, but I'm like, I'm, it's the, it's the new trend. I said, wait till it's date night and I'm wearing that hat out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great, man. That's great to, to talk about that. And I normally don't get sunburn. Um, and, you know, we, were, we spent a, a day on the boat uh, doing some fishing, caught some really nice fish. We ate some fish. Um, but I've never had this happen to me. My lips, I had a hat on. I had a long sleeve oh. shirt on. My lips, I got, I had three blisters. Like, uh. it was so painful that it would keep me up at night because it was so sensitive. It was terrible. It was terrible. There, it's finally better now, but oh, it was, it was unbelievable. So now I know why those people wear all the white stuff on their nose and their lips and stuff that they're around the ocean all the time. I get oh, it. Yeah. yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. I got uh, my freshman year of college, my best friend from high school uh, went to school in Daytona Beach, pledged a fraternity. So my freshman year, spring break, I go down and spend a week at the fraternity house. And the first day I got so burned. I've never had a son. I mean, I was just like you said it was like on my cheeks the skin was bubbling up and oh. oh it was terrible i was i had the chills one night couldn't stop and then i remember getting on the plane to fly back and i, I was just flake flakes of skin were going off on people and i was walking down the aisle it was horrible absolutely horrible ruined ruined my week yeah I, i'm telling you it was i had it so bad one time on the top of my feet that i was like all right and i always make sure i take care of the top of the feet because for whatever reason that Nothing else burns on me, like nothing. And I mean, I got I got to watch the top of my head since I don't have any hair. But, uh, but this thing, this thing hit me hard, man. It was bad, it was bad. But but, but anyhow, it it we had a lot of fun uh, on the boat fishing and um, caught some snook. Caught like I mean, I caught like a two and a half foot snook. We caught a bunch of uh, uh, snappers and groupers, and man, we brought those home and ate those up. Uh, McDonald's fish sandwich. Pff, get out of here. Um, <laughs> We went to a pool the night that we went to uh, that we called in when we were going to go see the band hat trick. Right. So uh, I called in and we were talking a little bit and, and <clears throat> we went in to see this band hat trick. It was three guys and it was pretty cool. Um, I think I sent you guys the picture of their banner or whatever. It was pretty cool, but we went to a place. It was called seed to table. I'm saying, I didn't know like uh, the guy that I was with, I was with two guys. The one guy set this up. He's like, hey, we'll go see this band uh, and we'll grab some dinner. And it was our, our first travel day. I'm like, all right, sweet. Our Uber takes us. And it's we're, it's like 30 minutes from where we're staying. Our Uber pulls up. I said, man, I think you got the wrong wrong place. This is right after I got off the phone. Well, not phone, the Zoom, because I, I know how to do that, Danny, which you didn't have trust in me, but I knew how to do that. Um, And... uh, uh he pulls up to it. It is a grocery store. It's a grocery store the size of the IX Center that has a restaurant intermingled, like a really good restaurant intermingled in and out of all the aisleways. And upstairs there was a bar. That's where the band was playing. It was insane. Hmm. It was insane. Like you're you're going down this aisle and you're like got people eating at a table right here. Like there's nothing on the shelves. So like right there's like two tables. Nothing on the shelves. Next to them, you get your pasta. It was weird, man. It was weird. And by the way, down in Florida, especially South Florida, they don't know what COVID is, man. It don't exist down there, dude. No. No. No, no. I just by habit put a uh, put a mask on to go into the grocery or into the uh, gas station once we got there. It was like one of those movies where the music stops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they all looked at me like, oh, you must be from the north. I'm like, yeah, oh, what are you doing? Oh. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I noticed that we were down there uh, a couple months ago. It was the same thing. This was in uh, where were we? Uh, Sarasota area. And, and, you don't have to go to Florida. You can go to Joggin County and see the same thing. 
Right. Well, I know, but but if, if we're going to talk, and I don't want to get like all, I mean, listen, we're a week away from all these restrictions being dropped, right? Um, I had to go do some things at a golf course after work today before we got on the pod and walked right in. Guys like, hey, dude, you don't need that mask anymore. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, what just happened? Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm all about getting back to normalcy. Trust me, I am. You know, although what we saw at the PGA yesterday with people running on the uh, fairway, that was a little weird. But um, I, I think that what happened to, like, we're on June 1st, we're going to be at 25% at the Indians game. We play a home game at, at, at uh, the field. 25%, but June 2nd, it's 100%. I mean, why aren't we using this time now to go to 50% just to work our way up, right? You, know, you, you can't go from zero to 60. It, you know, we all know how that happens, but I don't know. I don't want to get, get into the political side of it, but it's more or less for me. It's more or less so it, things don't happen like they did yesterday at Kiwa Island. Like it's almost – it was great to see fans back in, but it's almost like they forgot how the hell to, to act. Yeah. When, well, we're going to st- we're gonna talk about the NHL playoffs pretty soon. Did you see the game in Nashville? Yeah, crazy. Packed. Well, it was, what was it, uh, a week, maybe less than a week ago? Carolina, place was sold out. Yeah, and then I flipped over to the Winnipeg game, and there was nobody in the Yeah. There's literally nobody. One sold out, one has zero fans. It's crazy. Hey, what are they going to do? And I don't, uh, forgive my ignorance on this, but what are they going to do? Are, are there any of those, like, I know the Toronto Blue, or Toronto, uh, Toronto Blue Jays, yeah, they're they're playing in Buffalo. Buffalo, yeah. So what are these Canadian teams going to do for the Stanley Cup? The team that wins that division, wins the next round, will have to take set up shop in, a, in an American city. Are they going to be allowed back after? Because they won't let them. They're they're about to like I think they said in Montreal maybe like for the next round if they were to advance, they'd be able to have some people in their building. The problem is if they come to the States, they're not going to let them back in without quarantining. So they're just going to have to set up shop in Chicago or Pittsburgh or Buffalo or something. And once once they're, they get knocked out or they win it all and they go back, they're going to have to quarantine again? I think so, yeah. Jeez. I tell you what, if I was uh, Cleveland Sports Commission or something like that, I'd be lobbying to have them come to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Why not? Have the Maple Leafs come down here? Uh, the Cavs are done, right? No, the Cavs are over. Yeah, their season's over. Yeah, it's going to be pretty. Yeah. So you got it wide open. Right. Um, doesn't look like it'll be Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers coming down. No, 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 no. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't look to be. Doesn't look to be. So, well, hey, I'm glad. I'm actually, like I said, I'm glad to be back. Glad to be back on the uh, on the pod here. And uh, we had last week off. We're uh, glad to have you back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, here, cheers to that glass of red wine you're, you're having right there, Scott. I'll, I'll cheers you up. Uh, Danny is drinking something with a straw. Uh, just iced tea right now, oh. but then it'll be Danny, uh, some a... Elvis juice in a little bit here. Joe, that's, that's that's a good IPA, uh, little grapefruit IPA. You ever stay down in the in the hotel down in Columbus? I have not. The Brew Dog. Oh yeah, it's called the Dog House. It's pretty cool, man. It's pretty cool. I've stayed down there before. Well, glad to see everybody. Uh, let's see what's happening in the news of the Ohio Hockey Digest. The 2021 IIHF World Championship is underway in Latvia. The first three days of the event were full of upsets and drama, and two members of the Cleveland Monsters found themselves right in the middle of it. Defenseman Adam Klenendine is playing for Team USA and scored a goal as the Americans defeated Canada 5-1 on Sunday. It was a big win for the U.S. since they started the tournament with a 2-1 loss to Finland the day before. The loss put Canada in a tough spot at 0-2. They are in the hole because Monsters goalie Matis Kivletis Shut them out in the opener, 2-0. Kivnetics stopped all 38 shots Team Canada sent his way. Canada, Sweden, and the Czech Republic all started the tournament off 0-2 to add some spice to what is usually a pretty uneventful round-robin portion of this tournament. Denmark upset Sweden 4-3. Belarus defeated Sweden 1-0. Great Britain, excuse me, Great Britain only lost to Slovakia by a goal, and then Slovakia beat Russia. Kazakhstan Beat Finland 2-1. to one. Canada tries to get back on track Monday against Germany. Update. <laughs> they lost. They lost 3-1 to one to Germany. Canada's 0-3. Oh, 
gosh. They are taking on water right now pretty bad. Oh, my. And this yeah, is kind of they interesting. They got the buckets bailing out. Gerard, Gerard Galland is, is coaching the team. He just interviewed for the Rangers job. I'm sure that won't affect anything. It's kind of a crazy year and all that. But they had uh, two five extended five-on-three power plays. Just I watched like part of the second period, and they couldn't score. <laughs> they did everything but score. They couldn't. And then, uh, yeah, so Germany won again. Canada's 0-3. Oh my gosh! And and again, no disrespect to our uh, great and Brit- great Britain fans. I just you just don't hear them much in, in in tournament play. No, it's like the first time in forty years they've ever been they've been up in the top group, and that. So it's I mean it's crazy that they're even sticking close. And they have some import players. Like their goalie was from Brit from BC. He was a Western Hockey League kid, but right. Um, and some of the other usually, uh, I think Belarus had a couple guys too, but. Uh, yeah, it's been it's usually kind of a boring tournament until you get to the playoff part of it, but it's getting real interesting because some of the the teams expecting they usually expect to win a medal are uh, probably not going to get make the cut for the quarterfinal. So it's going to be kind of an interesting next the week next week or so. Uh, let's talk about the NHL playoffs. I want to get your thoughts on Tampa Bay. They look like they're going to move on. Uh, Kucherov and Stamkos don't play. Kucherov didn't play all season, I think, right? No, he did not. Stamkos was in and out, but he had been out for like a month. And then they come back game one of the playoffs. Now their cap hit, their salary doesn't count against the salary cap while they're out. Playoffs, the salary cap doesn't apply. Right. Game one of the playoffs, they're both just out there flying. They're looking good. Well, if this was going to be a year to do it, it's a shortened year. You might as well do it. Right. But my question, and the same thing happened with uh, Columbus traded Riley Nash to Toronto. Same thing. He didn't play the game for the Maple Leafs until the game one of the playoffs. And I'm games calling, been, games I'm calling, I'm it. calling shenanigans on uh, the. Game, uh, listen, it's it's awesome. It's 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 that's why the NHL, the NBA, which is a totally different conversation, the NFL. That's why these pro sports are a business, Scott. It's yeah. a sport to us, but it's a business, man. <laughs> yeah. But at what point are you just, you know, circumventing the salary cap? I would think that the other teams in the league might, you know, have something to say about that. So I mean, clearly they were a hundred percent when they came back to play. So does see so that can't work for a lot of teams. And this might, if they, if people start, if GM start to do this in the NHL, Let's say you get to the trade deadline and you are so far ahead of the curve, right? When it comes to like, you know, you're 15 games in the lead, you go out and get a big time player or two big time players and they don't play for a month and a half. And then you make a run for the uh, Stanley cup. Well, that's what uh, Toronto did with Riley net. Now he's not a big name player or anything like that, but he's, you know, he helped the Bruins uh, a couple of years ago. He's a good right, player. Right. Um and they trade. He was hurt when they traded for him, and he was on the long-term injured list or whatever. So his cap wasn't gonna, his salary wasn't gonna count against their cap. And they traded for him, and I'm sure they had no intentions of putting him in until game one of the playoffs. You would think. I mean, the player's getting paid either way, so he's not gonna put up a stink, I guess. But it's just, it's just ironic that the one day. <laughs> that he comes back is the first day of the playoffs. He wasn't ready the week before. He wasn't quite ready yet. No, 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 no. Game one of the playoffs, and he's leading the league, the league in scoring. He's got nine points in four games, I think, or something like that. You're telling me he wasn't okay a week before? I think he's just excited to get back on the ice, <laughs> So, I don't know. I just wanted to bring that up, get your thoughts on that. And then, of course, the uh, John Tavares situation with uh, uh, going out with the – Clearly unintentional, clearly, I think, knee to the head by Corey Perry. Um, but then Corey Perry ends up having to fight Nick Felino, which he didn't want to do it from the look on his face as they were getting ready to square off. What did you think about that one? Uh, I think in the heat of it, you might, you might think that – I'm not going to say it was intentional, but you might think it, would, it, it could have been. I mean, anything to the head might be a cheap shot, right, in the heat of it. You clearly look – and see that it's not that way. Um, listen, you got to take care of your teammates. You got to take care of your guys. You got to protect your guys. I mean, it's a playoffs. That's the way it, that's the way it works. I, I don't, 
I don't fault anybody for the injury. I don't fault anybody for the fight, you know? So if it was uh, Arturi Lekkinen or Paul Byron that had need him in the head, do you think he would have fought them? Or would they have gotten a smaller guy to go out and fight him? Or would they have let it go? You think part no, of it was no, the fact no, that it's Corey Perry it and he has a reputation? Yeah, he, yeah, he's got a reputation. I mean, yeah. listen, reputations precede people, right? I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, so when that happens, I can guarantee you a lot of people thought, oh, that's a dirty play again by him. Yeah. You look at it, it wasn't. But when you've got someone who's who is in the past had dirty hits and done dirty things. Yeah. You know, they always say if it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, and quacks like a duck, it's probably yeah. a duck. And when you, you see it, him knee somebody to the head who's down on the ice, you know, I mean, I, I would I would assume that if you talk to these guys afterwards, after they saw the film, they would say, eh, it wasn't intentional, but you know what? Oh, well. Yeah. And for Nick Foligno, he, he hasn't scored a goal yet since he got traded to the Leafs, so it gives him a way to uh, add some value right. to the lineup. And he's going to be playing more minutes now. At center, I think with Tavares off. Is he out? Uh, he's out in he's out indefinitely, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, wouldn't yeah, expect yeah, to see him yeah, again. Yeah. No, uh, this year, I should say, unless they go. I mean, who knows? Well, he hurt his knee too. I think he hurt his knee when he got hit by Sherratt, and then he got concussed on the ceiling knee from Corey Perry. So that series is tied one-one. Game three is tonight in Montreal. Of course, we're recording this on Monday, so maybe the series is over by now. By the time you're listening to this, I don't know. Boston advanced past Washington. I love seeing that. Do you see the goal uh, Pasternak scored? Yeah. Went wide to the left, put it between his feet, cut to the middle. I was, th- as I saw it, the word I was thinking of was confidence. And then whoever was calling the game, they, they said that he had the confidence. Because you're looking when he, I mean, it's a nice move to put it between your, drag it between your feet like that. But then as he cuts back to the net, there's no room. There's oh. no room between the defenseman and the goalie. And he just brings it right through there yeah, and yeah, tucks yeah. it in. I mean, it was unbelievable. So um, Winnipeg is up 3 nothing over Edmonton. That's kind of a shocker. Uh, Tampa Bay can close out Florida tonight. First couple of games of that series were outstanding. Was outstanding. And and I think one of the reasons why it was outstanding, and tell me if, if you disagree with this, is because it was probably the first time we got to see playoff hockey with people. Yeah. And, they, they, and again, like I said, COVID doesn't exist in, in Florida. So right. it, it just is, you know, out of control. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Vegas, they're up 3-1. They'll probably be at New York. And Pitt, the Islanders and the Penguins are 2-2. Colorado looks like they're going to sweep. Is that one over yet? I think they're going to sweep. Colorado finished it last night. They finished them off last night. The uh, Carolina Nashville series with Parmesan Alex Nadelkovich. I don't know if you heard or mm-hmm. saw the video of him after the second game. Everybody chanting his name. Yeah. Doing head, the inter- in arena interview after. Very cool. Um, they lost the last two games. They both went to double overtime, and he made a total of 88 saves in games three and four. But that series is now tied, and I'm wondering if we might see uh, if you're uh, Rod the Bod. Brindamore, would you go to Peter Mrazek in goal for game five? Mm. Put it this way. If he goes that way, nobody's going to hey, why'd you do that? I mean, right. That's, right. Know. Yeah, I don't He's, know. I mean, I don't know. But what I do know is, this is, this is a humble brag, Scott, that we had Nadalkovic on before uh, Spitting Chicklets did. We absolutely did. So. And he was a yeah, feature story on the website and uh, a, a podcast appearance. So we're definitely going to have to get him back this summer. So Rod the Bod better play his ass. Right. <laughs> That's right. Alabama Huntsville was denied entry into the newly formed CCHA and as a result has suspended the hockey program again. Scott checked in with Columbus native and former Ohio AAA Blue Jacket, Io Adenye, and he has, says he will not return to Alabama Huntsville in the fall. He is actively looking for a place to play Division One NCAA hockey next season. He can he can jump through that. Well, he won't even need the transfer portal because their program's shutting down, so they'll get a free transfer. But right, that's probably the mechanism he'll go through to uh, right make it known that he's looking for a spot. But he, I talked to him and he said, because I think when the 
program goes away. I said, your scholarship's still good, right? And you can stay there and go to school. And he said, yes, but he wants to play. So he's yeah uh, looking for another spot. So we'll talk to him. We'll have him on the show soon and uh, talk to him some more. And by the time you hear this on Thursday or Friday, the USHL draft will have taken place. So check out the digest for information on any Ohio players taken in the phase one futures draft on Wednesday or Thursday's phase two draft. Youngstown Phantoms, tough season on the ice, but they now have the first pick in both phases of the USHL draft. So we'll check in with uh, head coach and general manager, Brad Patterson uh, on that as well. Let's get on air with Cleveland Owens and Owen Sound Attack from the Ontario Hockey League, Andrew Parrott. Let's welcome on air Andrew Parrott, the son of a pro hockey player and former Cleveland Baron and current member of the Owen Sound Attack of the Ontario Hockey League. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you for having me. Well, again, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, and uh, if you've listened to our podcast much, even if you haven't, uh, you know, we, we like to kind of keep it back to Cleveland, back home, uh, where uh, a lot of our guests are from. doesn't mean you have to be from there. Some people played here. Some people grew up here. Now, you grew up here in the Cleveland area. And, and let's talk about your youth growing up, uh, where you played for the Barons and headed to Detroit. So just tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and how you started your hockey career here in Cleveland. Yeah, so my mom's side of the family is uh, from Cleveland. Uh, my dad met my mom uh, playing for actually the Lumberjacks back in the day when they were called the Lumberjacks. Uh, so, yeah, ever since I was born, I've lived in Cleveland. Uh, grew up playing for the Strongsville Mustangs, actually, uh, for quite some time. Then transitioned over to uh, the AAA program at the Barons for a year and a half. And then uh, switched it up a little bit and started playing in Detroit uh, for Bell Tire. But uh, for the first three years of playing out in Detroit, I – I would drive from Cleveland uh, three times a week to practice. So uh, I still lived here in Cleveland for quite some time. Actually, uh, I think I lived here till my freshman year of high school, uh, where I also played football and baseball for my high school, uh, Columbia Station. So, yeah, just Cleveland guy at heart growing up here. I lived here my whole life, and uh, I just love I love it here. So you're so you're you're obviously a well-rounded athlete playing football and baseball as well. Um, people who you pros uh, that play a certain pro sport, they always say, "Man, I, I would love this sport. I love that." Do, do you like football or, or baseball? Like, I mean, if you had to choose, obviously I know you choose hockey, but what, what's your other? What's your second sport? Uh, probably football. I like I like playing football a lot. I like the energy. Uh, usually in the locker room, it's a lot. It's a lot of energy to play football, and I, I like playing with energy in hockey, and obviously uh, just the hitting part of football. I, I enjoyed that a lot, and uh, I had a lot of really good football coaches throughout my career too. That kind of made made me love football, love that game, and I love watching it still this, uh, to this day. So uh, it'd probably have to be football, but baseball is definitely definitely a close second. I love playing baseball and have great memories playing. I've always played baseball since I was born, and I have really great memories of that as well. So you said you grew up in, uh, you started in Strongsville. Uh, did you play with the Duke brothers? Yeah, I did. I played, uh, I played with both of them actually. Uh, what a team. Strongsville Mustangs program. What a team coming out of Strongsville. You guys, the two brothers and you, all of which now are, are, are uh, obviously playing at, at a very high level. Uh, that was probably a, a crazy uh, team. Yeah, we uh, actually won Silver Stick uh, one year, made it to the championship, I think, twice, uh, two other years. Uh, yeah, we were we would beat AAA programs, and I think we were a double-A program yeah. at the time, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, Dylan and Tyler's dad was actually our coach uh, growing up, so that was a lot of fun as well. And, yeah, I just remember – uh, we we go over to their house after games at the OBM rink and uh, play a lot of many sticks back in the day. That was uh, such a long time ago. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit real quick. Uh, you were a second round pick of the London Knights in the OHL, and then you got traded to Owen Sound after two seasons. Can you talk to us one about the tradi- or the transition going from playing AAA hockey to the Owen Sound, or I'm sorry, to the London Knights, and then that trade from the London Knights to Owen Sound? 
Yeah, so uh, transitioning from AAA to the OHL was uh, it was crazy. I, I couldn't believe uh, how much more there was to really learn and really develop my, my game. And uh, London was a tremendous place to start off my uh, junior hockey career. They, the, their coaches there are so smart and uh, they really kind of, they really did a great job kind of just transitioning me into the league, uh, making sure I rounded out my defensive side of my game first before anything, teaching me the ins and outs uh, positionally and stick position and stuff like that, minor details like that. And yeah, I was fortunate enough to play a lot as a rookie, uh, probably due to the to the fact that I like to play physical. Uh, as a 16 year old, I was okay, I was bigger as a 16 year old than most 16 year olds coming to the league are usually. Uh, so I was fortunate enough to kind of uh, wiggle my way into a, a London lineup that usually isn't forgiving to uh, to rookies, uh, say the say the least. But Dale Hunter uh, appreciates that kind of play, though, doesn't he? Yeah, he loves that play. <laughs> I remember. I think the most excited. They were my rookie year was uh, fought. I fought another Cleveland guy. Actually, I trained with him. We're actually really good friends. But I fought. I ended up fighting Tim Gettinger that year, and uh, he's obviously a, a huge, uh, huge, huge guy, six six two thirty. And I think at the time he was twenty. And I, I know I fought him. Uh, I was, it, that was behind the net, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, fought I, I, I saw that fight. I saw that fight. Yeah, I fought him. I did lose, but uh, I remember uh, I was sitting in the locker room. I was just bleeding everywhere. And uh, my uh, Dylan Hunter, the assistant coach, the D coach, came in and was like, "Oh, that was the coolest thing I've seen all year," and like patted me on the back and everything. But I know they really appreciate that side of the game and uh, definitely allowed me to find a way into the lineup. Uh, so, so sure. you so you said you lost that fight, but really it sounded like you actually won that fight because it 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 showed your coaches at 16 years old and probably future coaches that Andrew Parrott is not afraid and is willing to do whatever he, he needs to do for his team. So I yeah. know you, I know you're bloodied up. You said you lost, but it's probably, <laughs> it was probably a win. Yeah. And the, I think in the uh, big picture, it was, it was kind of a win for me. Obviously, like you just said, uh, showed that I was uh, my willingness to, to fight guy that size uh, that I'm not afraid. And actually it was our last, uh, that was our last regular season game of the year that year, uh, heading into playoffs. And I think uh, that kind of solidified my spot in the lineup for playoffs because uh, in London, they uh, they definitely take playoffs as serious as anyone can, can take them. And I know uh, it was kind of between me and an older guy for who would get that 60 spot. And I think, uh, I think that fight kind of solidified it, showing that come playoff time, I'll play that physical style game. I'll stick up for my teammates. Uh, especially the uh, high end high end guys that we had on our team at the time, like Alex Formanton and Evan Bouchard. So uh, I think that definitely helped me in, in the big picture of things. Uh, transitioning. Came... Sorry, sorry, go ahead. Uh, so I was going to say, when it... <laughs> so, oh, I'm sorry, bye, go bye. ahead. We'll amateur, edit it out. Amateur hour nice here. Show. Amateur yeah, hour. Yeah. <laughs> no, you go first, because I was going to talk about transitioning to Owen Sound. Uh, you talk about that first, then I got another question for you. Uh, so transitioning to Owen Sound, uh, kind of my uh, it was weird. I, I never experienced obviously growing up AAA and then moving over to Major Junior. Uh, never experienced the the whole business side of it just yet with uh trades and all that. And I know uh, that year in London we had a a crazy crazy good team I, I can't believe they still didn't uh uh win to be honest I mean I think in our lineup we had six five or six drafted and signed NHL defensemen so uh for me personally it was hard to find time and knowing I know I just needed to kind of uh find a place where I could find that time to develop my side of the game uh it was an important year obviously with uh, my first year of draft eligibility and uh, eligibility to go to NHL camps and everything. So I just needed that, needed that change to develop myself and showcase myself a little bit before the draft and teams decide who they were bringing to camp or not. Cause I know it was important for me to get to a camp, but, uh, honestly, I, I don't, uh, everything in the way it's played out, I don't take anything back or regret anything. I know uh, I've learned a lot of hard lessons 
uh, throughout that process. And honestly, in Owen Sound, I, it's an amazing group there, amazing organization. And I have a coaching staff that loves and believes me uh, so much. And they have honestly taken my game to the next level, just with Joey Hishon, Jordan Hill, and Alan Latang. Just, I know just for me personally, they love the way I play with that physical style as well. They appreciate it so much and they put me in a position to succeed this last year I know me and my teammate Mark Woolley uh, our role as a D pairing was kind of that shutdown role uh, so every given any given night we were playing another team's top line for example like Connor McMichaels the Liam Foodies on London uh, Shane Wright on Kingston we were line matching those guys uh, every night and I know uh, just for a guy like me personally for the next level that's kind of the role uh, I'm looking forward to that's kind of the role I embrace and uh, they put me in a position to su- succeed with all that so I was it was amazing well it seems like the OHL route is working out for you um, I noticed when I was looking at your uh, elite prospect page you're also a third round pick in the USHL draft did you ever consider uh, going the college route yeah I was committed to my Ohio uh, I actually took a visit there uh, and I, I loved it. It was amazing. Uh, it was one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. And uh, I'm actually in a business program right now with my university studies. And I know uh, that's what I wanted to do at my Ohio. And they have one of the best business programs in uh, the country. So I know I was really considering it at the time. Uh, obviously with London taking me in the second round, it was kind of hard to, to pass on that. I know uh, it's one of the best, organizations in the entire world when it comes to getting guys to the next level. And at that point, I'm uh, still at this point, it's my main goal is to get to that next level. So yeah, I don't regret it uh, one bit. I think my career to this point has played out uh, probably, probably not the best, but it's played out uh, as I, it's played out really well for me personally. I've, I've got, I've made the most of some bad situations and I've been, put some great situations that uh, I've made the most of. So to this point, I'm I'm very happy with everything and how it's gone so far. So being the son of a pro hockey player, there's obviously advantages and disadvantages, right? Um, And hopefully I did my research correctly, but your dad's, is he from Owen Sound? Yeah, he is. Okay. So now you get to go back and play where your dad grew up, which is kind of a unique situation. So talk to us a little bit about having a father that played in the league uh, at, at many different levels of, of pro hockey. Uh, and how does that give you advantages and, and maybe disadvantages? Uh, so just from just growing up, he always, um, it's funny. He'd always give me tips and stuff to help me, uh, with my game and everything. And it was funny. Every time he'd give me a tip, I would try to apply it to the, the very next game I'd be in. And it would actually change my game so much and I would I remember one time uh when it was kind of starting to get into hitting and he was teaching how to box out and just be really physical in front of the net as a defender and I remember doing that as an early, at an early age and I remember um uh, when I actually went on my visit to Miami they said that they loved the way I uh I boxed out in front of the net how physical I was and how I like to kind of kind of give it to guys make it miserable for forwards to stay in that front and it's just little details like that that he'd always help me with, uh, kind of things away from a puck uh, that you don't necessarily uh, think of or sometimes notice unless you really know the game. But those finer details he really helps me a lot with. And then just at this point, uh, like you said, he's he's played almost every single level you could possibly think of. I think in one year he's, he played in Jacksonville, Indianapolis, and St. John's all, all in one year. So he's been all over the place. But at this point, he kind of just helps me with off-ice decisions, uh, things that will will better me in the future or put, take that next step to the next level and just help me with that stuff because he he, uh, he loves the group in Owen Sound. He thinks they're great coaches, and he just tells me to listen to, to them and just believe in them. Do you still have family in Owen Sound? I do. My my grandmother lives there, my, uh, my dad's mom. My dad actually lives in uh, Paisley, Ontario. It's about – 30 minutes outside of Owen Sound, actually. Okay. All right, cool. Cool. You mentioned uh, sticking up for your teammates before. He must have showed you a few things about that. Yeah, uh, for (laughs) sure. He, uh, 
I remember when I first got to uh, when I first got to London my rookie year, uh, the lineup was just ridiculous. We had guys like Robert Thomas, Alex Formanton, uh, Max Jones, Evan Bouchard, uh, Cliff Pooh at the time was amazing and it's still amazing. Place for the monsters now, and he's a really good friend of mine still. But um, yeah, we had all those uh, high end guys, and I he told me to make sure that as a rookie I could. I could kind of get into that to that group and earn a lot of respect if uh, if a guy like Robert Thomas got hit from behind or was cheap shot uh, sticking up for those guys. I remember one time we were playing and someone uh, kind of took liberty on him and I I skated from like the far blue line just to just to grab the guy and I just put him in a headlock and started kind of punching him a little bit. We both got uh, offsetting minors, but uh, something like that. I remember. Uh, a guy, we had a guy on our team, Adrian Carbonero, who was an overager at the time, and he was probably the toughest guy in the league at the time. Like no one would ever fight him, but he came into me in the locker room and was like, telling me, "That's amazing. I love that." Like obviously, just hyped me up, and everything, and just loving that type of stuff. So, I know it kind of gave me a little, uh, a little credibility in the room, and just uh, made guys kind of gravitate towards me. Just kind of the fact that I'd stick up for them and all that. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a, 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 a number here and uh, you're going to associate it with something. So I'm going to say the term Cleveland and the number 248. And that, that's the amount of belly minutes your father got in one season in Cleveland. So. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Well, and uh, I was probably like, there's probably like 20 games. Yeah, it's actually like 65. No, it was what I was going to played at a bunch of different levels he you know to give everybody some perspective he played in the national hockey league too for toronto and nashville i think right yeah yeah so he he got that was his role like i was gonna say we were talking about uh rick hayward is kind of a famous uh brawler here in the with that played for the lumberjacks and i tell you what uh i only saw your dad ever lose one fight and he had about 102 fever before the game shouldn't have been dressed uh he he was not to be uh, trifled with <laughs> yeah my dad's actually my dad's first ever fight was actually in columbus uh, it was against jody shelley that was his first ever uh nhl fight uh, i remember jody shelley was one of the toughest guys in the league at that point and uh, i think he ended up winning it uh, my dad ended up winning it and i remember my whole family was there because uh obviously from cleveland columbus isn't uh too far of a drive yeah, he was, he was a tough dude. And like I said, there was one game I was down uh, in the hallway outside the locker room and he was standing, he just didn't look right. And I was like, what's wrong with you? And he said, I got the flu. I have like 102 fever. I shouldn't even, but we were already short of forward or something like that. So he dressed and some knucklehead and the other team started running around and that was his job was to take care of that. So he went out. And, uh, yeah, my dad, uh, is that my dad's something else still it's it's so funny he's got some good stories too <laughs> so you're uh i suppose you're still property of the owen sound attack right yes a, i uh i could uh next year is my overager you would be an overager next year and is uh dale de still the general manager yeah he is another former lumberjack but uh so your 19 year old season that's typically that's your your chance to really go out with a bang playing major junior hockey. I mean, I don't know if you're thinking of going back as an overager or if that's an option, but uh, it must've been very frustrating having your 19 year old season. The Ontario hockey league didn't even play at all this year. Yeah. It's uh, it was a little frustrating, uh, especially like you said, it's kind of uh, everyone's goal at the beginning of their major junior careers kind of play those four years and then make that next step to, professional hockey, I know is a goal of mine. So to lose out on probably the most important year of those four years uh, was a little frustrating. It was a little hard, but I know uh, myself and a lot of my colleagues around the league that didn't get to play this year have kind of made the most of a bad situation uh, with everything going on. I know a lot of guys are getting creative with uh, their off ice routines and training and everything. And it's been, it's been really cool to see what guys uh, are willing to do to kind of, kind of keep that dream going, uh, to keep grinding, to push towards that next level. And I, I know I'm really proud of a lot of my teammates and colleagues that I've talked to throughout this process. And you actually, you did get some games in. You had to go to Slovakia. 
to get that uh, to get to play. So how, how does that happen? Do you? Yeah. So uh, that's just kind of a conversation with uh, my agent, my GM, Dale DeGray and Owen Sound. Uh, just kind of uh, with everything happening in the OHL getting pushed back, to, I was able to get loaned out to a team in Slovakia. Uh, so my agent kind of initiated that, talked to uh, that team out there. They were happy to bring me over. And then just another conversation with my uh, GM about logistics and everything, making sure all the paperwork was done right because uh, it is a loan agreement. So my rights are still with uh, Owen Sound throughout the process as well. So, so how was that playing over there? What was the on the big ice and with uh, uh, Yeah, the big ice is definitely different. Big Ice was a little different, I know, it, uh, but I liked it for me personally. It uh, kind of gave me room to develop uh, my offensive side of the game. And I know uh, for me personally, when I went out there, uh, I was put into an offensive kind of role on, on the team I was on. Uh, so that was kind of – that was a really good experience for me personally to grow my game, grow that side of the game. And uh, I loved it out there. That team – the team I went to took such good care of me and made – I made so many good friends and so many good memories and it's amazing. I actually have a, I have a teammate of mine uh, from Slovakia uh, coming out to play in the showcase in Erie. Uh, he's flying into Cleveland on Friday. So I, those are the type of uh, relationships and connections that uh, I've made throughout the process. All right. So let's talk about this showcase in Erie that, that you got involved with. If we're going to switch a gear here, as you mentioned, how did you get involved with this group? And can you explain to our listeners a little bit about what this showcase is going to be? So uh, I kind of had the uh, crazy idea to do something like this. And initially we were going to do it in Toledo for like four days, like just four games uh, or two games a day for four days or something like that, just get as much hockey as possible. And I took my idea to uh, Ryan Humphrey because he's been a close friend of mine. Uh, throughout my career and I've known him for a long time and so I was just asking him to help me get players help me set it up uh, make some calls and he knew Ryan Beck personally and they were really close friends so he introduced me to him uh, who has a lot of connections in the hockey world uh, great hockey players gonna play for Saginaw and that's how kind of I met Ryan and became friends with him as well so it was kind of three of us setting it up and I remember I reached out to a guy in Erie that I knew personally uh see if he could if he'd want to play in something like that in Toledo and potentially send it out to other guys on his team uh, to see if they would play and he said yeah of course um so that's how Brennan Hoffman heard about it and he reached out to me personally and said uh well I can get these guys in Erie want to do a two-week showcase uh in Erie Pennsylvania and set it up there and I was like I just couldn't believe it when I heard it and I was like, Oh my God, this is, this is amazing. We can do it more professionally, spread it out a little bit, give some off days, maybe some more games. And then that's kind of just how the four of us got connected. So before this, I've never, never had a conversation with two of the guys that are a part of our group. Now uh, I can say that they're probably lifelong friends and uh, that this is uh, something the four of us will never forget uh, doing something like this, but, uh, kind of since that's happened and kind of since we transitioned to Erie, the four of us are just working together every day, making calls to uh, just get as much as we do, as we can done possible to make it as, uh, as legit as we can as possible when it comes to laundry, bottles, hand towels on the bench, uh, food for the scout room, uh, for scouts and stuff, uh, media, all, all of those details that go into it that uh, – Throughout the process, I've I've learned that uh, aren't easy to put together. But uh, so it's just May 31st to June 13th. Uh, May 31st is a practice day, kind of arrive at the uh, site. And then June 1st to the 13th is uh, nine games for six full teams, uh, plus the 10th game for first year draft eligible players. Uh, so kind of kind of that CHL top prospects type of game. But with the first year draft eligibles uh, in our showcase. So where, where are you with terms of commitments of players and scouts? So we're completely full teams, six full teams. Uh, we, we're actually completely full. 
and then scout registrations. I, uh, I know we have uh, a lot of NHL clubs sending representatives to watch uh, showcase a lot of them staying the full two weeks, some of them staying for a couple of days, uh, multiple representation from uh, the same teams. I know a lot of teams are sending more than just one guy. So I know that part of the process has been uh, tremendous and I've gotten a lot of great feedback from uh, NHL scouts and they love the idea and they love uh, that we're doing something like this because uh, they've missed out on the full year as well, just as much as we have. Uh, I know the OHL uh, hasn't played this year, but it's still uh, the top feeder to the NHL. And those guys missed out on seeing us play, seeing 110 kids uh, not have a season. And I know they're really looking forward to uh, seeing us play before the draft and before they have to make decisions like development camp and rookie camp spots, because those are just as important for guys who uh, are, are older, maybe not draft eligible or don't get drafted this year, because I know uh, those are still stepping stones in the process of getting to the next level. So the scouts, the scouts have to love this. I mean, if your job okay. is is scouting the OHL and the OHL doesn't play, uh, obviously that's got to be frustrating for them. But they, you know, they still have to put a list together because the NHL is not changing the draft, so that you're still got to take those first year draft eligible kids from the Ontario League. So to give them a chance to see some of those kids uh, on the ice playing against each other. They've got to love that. Yeah, uh, tremendous feedback. It's It's been amazing throughout the process uh, how excited everyone that's on board in the showcase is. I know the players are extremely excited. I've talked to a lot of guys. I can't wait to kind of get back in the environment in the hockey locker room area and just, just back on the ice and competitiveness because it is three 20-minute periods, stop time, hitting, fighting, like, uh, it's full hockey. It's uh, real games. It's full OHL games, so I know they're excited for that. And then just the feedback from scouts as well. Like you said, uh, just excited to see guys they haven't seen play in 15 years, see that development that uh, they look for. Can you uh, tell our listeners where this uh, venue or if there's multiple venues and uh, will there be tickets available to the public? So it's at Erie Bank Sports Park. Uh at the moment, there are capacity limits. The facility itself is huge. We believe there will be uh, tickets available for fans, but uh, of course, uh, we will have passes and an amount, uh, a limit set out for scouts to get into the building first uh, with capacity limits. So, uh, someone driving in maybe from Cleveland <laughs> might not get in. Uh, which would suck, but um, we believe there will be enough room for, for fans as well as uh, the essential people that make, make the game happen, like scorekeepers, refs, scouts, uh, volunteers that are helping out. I was going to say, well, yeah. there's going to be media credential for, I don't know, some, some guys that do some podcasts that no one ever hear, hears of, so, you know. Yeah, I know we've had some uh, – we've had media coverage, like uh, different media podcasts and stuff or even uh, photography uh, media, people have reached out to me to kind of secure uh, lanyards and passes to get into the facilities. And I know uh, we've been doing that just to make sure that this event gets as much exposure as possible. And these players kind of kind of just have a great experience at the end of the day with yep. maybe everything going on. Well, hey, Scott, get working on it with Andrew since you're the guy that runs the Ohio Hockey Digest. I'd like to go to uh, Erie. We'll get right on it. You mentioned uh, a guy from Slovakia coming. Are there, are there major junior players from the other, from Quebec League or the Western League coming, or is it all Ontario players? And who are uh, who I are some of the big names, uh, first year draft eligible players that are going to be participating? Yeah, so I believe uh, so. Two people are coming from Slovakia. One that played on my team. Uh, another guy played in the top league over there, who's a friend of my teammate from. Uh, my time over there. So there's two guys from there. I believe we only have one guy from the queue. I don't believe we have any from the dub. Uh, so it's majority OHL, a couple NCAA guys. Uh, so just kind of majority OHL with a, a good mixture of uh, other guys, other other guys looking for opportunity to showcase himself. Uh, sorry, I forgot. Oh, the first year draft. Okay, so 
I know for this year's draft, we have guys like uh, Logan Mayu, Ty Voigt, Ethan Burrows, Denny Gore, uh, Caleb Lawrence, um, Ben Roger from London. Uh, those are just the names off the top of my head. Uh, those guys are uh, all coming to this event. I know they're all high-end prospects for this year's draft. But uh, other than that, we have a lot of second-year and third-year guys that uh, put up some points that are still draft eligible. I know James Hardy from Mississauga had a tremendous year uh, last year. Mitch Russell from North Bay did. Uh, Aiden Pruder from Mississauga as well. Uh, those type of guys that are still draft eligible but older um, are also attending the event. And you're you're playing, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> I assume, but I you know just want to make want to clarify. Yeah, and. Then, uh, <laughs> Yeah. So uh, when do you make your next decision on uh, whether you go back to Owen Sound for one more year or are you exploring professional opportunities? Where where does that stand? Uh, I believe that kind of depends on uh, what happens with the draft for me being draft eligible this year. And obviously um, just how I showcase myself at the showcase at the end of the day, uh, the team still has to like you. So I still have to uh, put my best foot forward at the showcase show my development, showing the strides I've taken in the last year of training. So I think all of those decisions kind of depend on uh, how I perform myself at the showcase. And then uh, kind of from there, just conversations with agents, GMs, uh, hopefully professional teams uh, after the showcase. So I'm pretty excited to see uh, what happens there. Good. Well, hey, Andrew, uh, on behalf of the podcast and, and on air, and you know, we wish you we wish you the best of luck uh, in this. Uh, it, it's it's impressive that a young man of your age uh, can come up with this idea, put it into fruition, uh, to make sure that yourself and others. And again, you're not just doing this for yourself, and I get that. And, and our listeners need to know that if this isn't being done just for Andrew Parrott, it's being done for him and all the guys that got this year lost. So kudos to you, man. That's very impressive as a young man. Thank you very much. I really so, appreciate it. Good luck. Uh, you know what? I'd like to, Scott, I'd like to talk to Andrew if we can uh, may arrange this maybe after the mm-hmm. showcase and see, or maybe after, after whatever it may be, and to see how that went, you know, how the scout received it. Maybe this is something that might be happening in the future, uh, uh, you know, that some of these overage or underage, whatever kids might not get invited to a camp. So maybe you run a showcase like this, and then they get their hands and their eyes on uh, the, the guys as well. So, Andrew, good luck with your uh, showcase. Good luck with your the rest of your career. Uh, thank you again for joining us on this on this podcast. We look forward to talking to you again. Thank you very much. Thanks, right. Andrew. Thank you. What a great uh, talk with uh, the son of a professional hockey player, Andrew Parrott. Uh, the guy has got a vision of of you know taking a bad situation when it comes to COVID-19 and the Ontario Hockey League completely shutting down for the whole year. And he's got a vision of, of saying, hey, we can still get seen and we should be able to be able to get seen. And we're going to do that. And we're going to do it from May 31st to, I think he said, uh, June 13th. Uh, and, and hopefully we can take our podcast up there. If not, uh, hell, I, I would love to see. I mean, why wouldn't the NHL Network send a couple freaking cameras up there? I, I wouldn't rule it out. Well, they'll have the Stanley Cup playoffs going on, I guess. So they'll have a lot of content. But I, I would – oh, and you know what? I'm, I forget that. I'm going to put the link to the website on the uh, Ohio Hockey Digest. So everybody who's hearing this, go to www.ohiohockeydigest.com, and I'll have a link on there to the website because he told me what the website was, and I can't find it right now. But I'll, I'll get that from him. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Hockey TV or, you know, live bar, I don't know, something like that. If they don't end up live streaming those games, I wouldn't shock me. I good on him. Good on him. They're, you know, you got dealt a shit hand, pardon my French, for your 19-year-old season playing major junior hockey, and there's a lot of kids sitting home feeling bad for him. So he's like, you know what? Why don't we put together a showcase? We're going to have to do it south of the border, obviously, because of uh, the restrictions in, in Ontario right now. But Good on him. Get it going. They were, they were, I, it would have been great if they could have pulled off the thing in Toledo. And then he started talking to people and they're like, you know what, let's, uh, let's really do this. <laughs> and they, they, they've got six full teams of uh, 
of draft eligible players. And I bet the scouts are packing that place. Cause if you're an OHL uh, uh, scouting the OHL for, and every NHL team has at least one full-time OHL scout, they probably have five or six, right? you know, right. because there's so many players that come out of that league. They're all going to want to be there. You know, it's, you know, it's kind of, I don't want to say sad, but if that could have been done in Toledo, and in our state, if you're not living in, in Ohio and you're li- somewhere out of our state and you haven't heard, but our state is dropping every restriction. June 2nd, it's COVID. <laughs> we talked, we laughed about this. June 2nd, COVID's done in, in our state. That Huntington Arena would have been packed, yeah. dude. Packed. Yeah. Now, I don't know what's happening in Pennsylvania. I don't know what their restrictions are or if they're going to st- you know, stay the line, but um, that would have been something. for. I mean, oh. Could you imagine? I mean, Toledo's a hotbed anyhow. Right. Those those guys that, that haven't played hockey in such a long time now get to play in front of a packed arena. All How those, exciting all those people who didn't get to see any walleye games this year. Yeah. Oh, and those guys, those guys would have been jazzed up coming out of the uh, uh, locker room. But I mean, hey, maybe Pennsylvania's the same way, and we'll get some uh, tickets sold. And, and But anyhow, a- well, we'll- Andrew uh, Paired, good, good head on his shoulders. Um, yep. what, a, what, a, what a great story about all his – Going up, I like the story about him fighting his buddy. Uh, he's 16 years old. And <laughs> Gettinger was 20, and, get, and he says he got his butt kicked. And huge. Got a, yo, he's huge. Three years older and huge. Yeah. But he got he got his uh, he, he he proved a point and got some love from the coaches, and it was it was great, man. It was great. Well, his old man had to show give him some pointers on when it came to the gloves being dropped because I'm telling you, Rick Hayward. We talked about him being a bad man. Nathan Parrot was or Parrot was right there. I would have liked to have seen those two go at it. That would have been a good uh, wow. he, You know, he got – I think he played around 100 games in the NHL. Played for, for the Leafs, for Nashville when they were a new team. So He played, he played for Dallas as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, so hey, good luck to Andrew. And, and again, Scott, seriously, like I said before, I mean, you're the guy that sets up these interviews. You do a hell of a job doing it. Uh, you know, if we could kind of circle back on some of these guys, especially like Andrew, who's, you know – fighting to see what's going to happen here and, and, and like you said you got dealt a shit hand but he's trying to make a nice sandwich out of a shit sandwich right now and then we'll, we'll see what happens so um but hey great show again today uh thanks again scott for making this happen this is you know i couldn't find a better way to spend a, a weekday night than talk some hockey with you guys my friends and, and and guests that just continue to spread the good word so um next week we're going to talk a little junior hockey with the Wooster Oilers and Columbus Mavericks of the USPHL. Continue to grow the game as best as we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast.